All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at New Eastern. Welcome in. It is a April 7th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Yaremchuk and Mike McKenna with you for 30 minutes of straight hockey talk. And McKenna, you're looking good. You got that fresh Daily Faceoff shirt on. Dude, we're swagging it up over here. Look at this, man. Well, oh, don't look at the. I don't know any muscles at all. But like, hey, check it out, man. I'm sure we're gonna have these coming at you soon. Having them available for, man. It's gonna be like it's like we're on tour, Tyler. We need merch. Yeah. We need like dates of where we're going. We're gonna take this thing live. That's our next step. Hey. What do you say? Daily face off live. Why not? I'm all on board and uh, we just got to get Frank to sign off on it and we're good to go. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with really the one big result from last night in the NHL. And that was the playoff hopes for the Vegas Golden Knights taking a fairly significant blow. The Knights fall 5-1 on home ice to the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Pettersson has a monster night for the road team picking up four points, two goals. Thatcher Demko slams the door shut with 33 saves. And you sit there, you look at the playoff situation now for the Golden Knights. If they wanted to catch one of those two teams in the Central for a wild card spot in Dallas and Nashville, that's tough because they're behind both of them and they have three less games played than both of those teams. If they wanted to catch LA or Edmonton, well, you can see the points percentage is not in their favor. They're also four points back of the Kings. They're five points back of the Oilers as well. Uh, you look at it, Mike, and it hasn't looked good for a while, but now it's getting to the point where I would go as far to say the Golden Knights are probably on their last life. Well, very close to it. And here's what happens. You know, they win five straight. You start to get hope. And you, then you realize, really, the mathematics are just against the Golden Knights. And they laid a big old Easter egg at center ice last night in Vegas, coming back into town against Vancouver. They weren't good enough start to finish. Uh, but I will caution people to think that Vegas is out of it completely, because if they can win seven of their last 10 games, 
it gives them a chance. I'd put them at 96 points. Dallas still has to get points. Nashville still has to get points. I was on a Dallas team not many years ago in 2018 that we went on a tremendous fall off at the end of the season. I think we lost eight straight games and we missed the playoffs. It can happen. And, and I do think that Vegas, aside from last night's game, has played better, but they don't have much of an easy path here, Tyler. They will be running into Cal- Calgary, Edmonton, Washington, Dallas, St. Louis. Vegas made the most of the easier part of their schedule towards when playoffs starts. Now it gets even harder. So it's a big mountain to climb, but I would not count them completely out of it just yet, Tyler. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the team, it's it's a talented group, even though they are banged up right now. And you mentioned their schedule ahead. Maybe one of their saving graces could be the, those head-to-head games. You mentioned it. They play Dallas. They play Edmonton. Right. Also, Edmonton's in action tonight against the LA Kings. So if you're Vegas and you're setting your sights on potentially catching the Oilers, you're probably rooting for the Kings tonight in that matchup and hoping they can take care of the Oilers in regulation time and not let that game bleed into overtime like it did last time the Oilers and Kings met. But you look at this lineup, and it's just... The depth of this team was supposed to be such a big strong suit. And now with the injuries piling up, you look at this forward group and you kind of go like, ooh, it actually is fairly underwhelming with all of the bodies they have out of the lineup. Yeah, and a big reason is they're really just playing with three lines. And, you know, Jake LeCision playing center uh, on the fourth line, he's been up and down and played a lot of minutes within the lineup. But more or less, it's it's three lines. The one thing that we didn't show here is the defensive core. They do have Braden McNabb back as well as Alec Martinez. And that's helped them the first two, but they're still kind of finding their way. So again, uh, Vegas is, there's the defensive pairings you can see now, McNabb and and Martinez back in. But Vegas has got to win games here, Tyler, bottom line. I think they have to win seven or eight out of 10 to have any chance. And that's just hoping for any of the teams ahead of them to also fall off at the same time. But it can happen. Vegas is still in the fight and we're getting to the point where it feels like every day or two we get the news that hey this team has been officially eliminated from playoff contention and they're just more or less playing out the stretch maybe you take the angle of oh we're going to be spoilers we're going to beat these playoff teams and ruin their season but as a former player you touched on your your experience with Dallas when you guys fell out of the race what's it like being on a team when you're already out of it and there's three or four weeks to go in the Mm -hmm. season and you're kind of sitting there being like like what what are what are those last few weeks of the season like when you're really just playing out the stretch? It's kind of mixed feelings because in some ways you're just ready for the season to end. Like you've already you've already booked the U-Haul. You're ready to leave town. You're gonna get your lease agreement taken care of. You're 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 doing all those things that basically get you ready for summer. But at the same time, when you get into the locker room on those days, you think, man, there's no pressure here. Let's just play. Like, and I think that some of the most fun I had were in those, those years where we were already eliminated, like pregame soccer gets crazy guys. They're not afraid of getting hurt. So guys are going as hard as they can in it. And they're just players are looser, man. And I think that's the reason why, you know, some teams are better at this time of the year, even if they've already been eliminated is they're just, there's nothing on their shoulders. You know, there's no need to be worried. And um, of course at the NHL, you may have people who are looking for contracts and are going to be free agents. And that's a real factor, but it just takes a lot of the pressure off. And I think it's a really good lesson for players that, Hey, you need to have fun while you're playing this game. If you take it too seriously, it can, it can ruin you. And those last couple of weeks or months when I was on the teams that weren't any good, man, they were fun, but they were also a lot of fun when you pulled out of town because you were happy for the season to be over. 
I, I wonder what that says maybe about a team. You mentioned, you know, no pressure. You come in, you're playing loose. A team like Buffalo and how important that could be for oh, yeah. even that group going forward, right? You look at what Don Granado has been able to do. They're a competitive team right now, even though they're out of the playoff mix, but they're beating teams. You got that top line that seems to be humming along perfectly. And, and you mentioned, you know, it's loose in the room. It's fun in the room. I wonder if that maybe could really help a team like the Sabres establish a bit of a culture and identity. And maybe even though the games right now don't feel like they mean a lot, maybe they find a way to roll that into positive momentum for even the start of next season. It's a great point. And that's what you're really hoping for is to help build that positive culture. Buffalo's missed the playoffs 11 seasons in a row. There hasn't been a lot to cheer about, but there's a lot to cheer about in the microcosm right now. I mean, that team's 6-1-3. and three, They've gotten points 9 out of 10 games. You've got Thompson lighting the lamp. Tuck's played great. Krebs looks pretty good coming over from that trade. Darlene, like, yeah. players are playing well. You get the old relic Craig Anderson still kicking and, and getting wins. He may even get another year out of this. He talks it. Man, buffs him a lot. Maybe he wants to come and do another. Like, I don't know, man. I get a good vibe from Buffalo. And I think it is a perfect example of making the most out of your situation, finding the fun and the joy in the game and just going out there and playing. That's why I think they've been so good. Speaking of making the most out of a new situation, uh, let's talk about a couple of guys who have had just tremendous second halves of the season. And I want to start with the rookie out in Montreal, Cole Caulfield. And it did not like the playoffs last year were awesome and it led to sky high expectations. This is a guy who came into the year or before the season at some points was the odds on favorite to win the Calder. And you look at those numbers right now and you go, hey, that's a pretty decent rookie season he's put together. But when you go back to the early parts of the year when Dominic Ducharme was the head coach, this is the Habs scoring leaders. You see the usual guys at the top, Suzuki, Toffoli when he was still there, all the way down at the bottom, Cole Caulfield, 30 games, just that one goal scored, only seven assists. And a lot of, I mean, it led to him going down to the American League for a while. And then St. Louis comes in and there were a lot of people that instantly made the connection of, oh, St. Louis going to be a guy who can mentor Caulfield. And look at this scoring, the, the have scoring leader since St. Louis took over. It's been a complete 180 for a guy like Cole Caulfield. 15 goals in 25 games is absolutely remarkable for any player, never mind a player in his first full season in the NHL. I look at a guy like Caulfield, Mike, as he's done a great job taking advantage of the new situation. And that's a guy who, again, the games haven't meant a ton for the Habs. But if you're a part of that fan base, you're looking at Caulfield and going, hey, this is giving us a reason to tune in every night. Absolutely. I mean, he's been awesome for the club. He's the NHL Rookie of the Month in March, 15 points during that span. And who would have ever thought David Savard would have been outscoring Cole Caulfield midway through the season? That wasn't on anybody's radar. And Marty St. Louis has given Caulfield the ice time and he's given him the creative license in the offensive zone to do what he needs to do to get to soft areas, to open ice, which is what he does best. He's getting more shots from the slot and it's paying off. And he's not the only one, though, Tyler. You look across to the western half of Canada and what Elias Pettersson is doing for the Vancouver Canucks right now. 18 points in his last 11 games, and he started off the season really slow as well. And it's a similar tale. 53 points on the year in 69 games. You think, okay, this is an okay year. Well, so much of that has happened in the back half, and so much of it has happened under Bruce Boudreaux since he took over as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And what I like is Boudreaux has been willing to experiment with Pettersson. He's used him in shorthanded. He's used him power play. He's used him on the wing. He's used him at center. And, and right now, Pedersen's in a groove where he's working hard. He's taking shots. And he's got players that are finishing for him. He had four points last night against Vegas, Tyler. He was the best player on the ice. He looked like his rookie season, man, because he's a dominant force. When he's shooting the puck and driving the wing, he's going to be one of the better players in this league for a lot of time if he can keep that work ethic up. 
Yeah, um, you mentioned the difference between Green and and, Bo- and Boudreaux for Elias Pettersson. 26 games this season under Green. I mean, Pettersson couldn't buy an even strength goal. 44 games under Bruce Boudreaux, 13 even strength goals. He's got seven since the beginning of February as well. It's been an unreal run. And the moral of the story here, no such thing as meaningless hockey in the NHL. Uh, Mike, I know you're big on Twitter, so you probably saw this going around. But the <laughs> trend yesterday that people were asking was, what is your cancelable take and it started with food and whatever and movies and all that and of course eventually the hockey world got on board with it so i'm going to throw this your direction what is your cancelable hockey take well i got two of them okay and we discussed this a full bit we discussed this in pre-show that i had a good one well i thought of another the goalie Whenever somebody says he's going to want that one back canceled you can't do this anymore you're not in this job anymore (laughs) every goalie wants every goal back we're not okay with any goal okay tell us why the goalie would want it back so there's cancelable offense number one number two any player that says at the end of the day during an interview you're done see you later you're out of here i mean like what about the beginning of the day what about lunchtime what about your potty break what about shower time why is it only at the end of the day it's just filler words tyler these two things drive me crazy and i'm gonna get off my soapbox and, and I'm going to allow you the floor here while I let my, bro- my blood pressure come on down. So, Tyler, let's hear your cancelable hockey take. I, okay, this is my own personal thing that I always get flack for whenever I bring it up. I The one rule change I would make in the NHL, and I've had, people, I've had former people from the league yell at me for this, telling me it's an idiotic take. You should not be able to ice the puck when you're shorthanded. I do not understand why the sport does it. It doesn't make sense to me. You punish a team by putting them shorthanded. They're down a man. They There was an infraction. They are punished. But then at the same time, you bail them out just a little bit by saying, oh, but that one rule icing, that no longer applies to you. I don't get it. I think if you are shorthanded, like in soccer, you should be forced to actually play the game shorthanded. And I always get people yelling at me when I bring this up, but I just think it doesn't make sense how you punish a team. And then at the same point, you kind of put out a hand and go, ah, but we'll help you just, we'll help you just a little bit here. So give me, give me a little insight here. If we take it away, are players going to practice flipping pucks and trying to get backspin on it? Like they're hitting a nine iron at a green 150 yards away. Great Masters reference with this being Masters week, by the way. Um, Yeah, I I think that is the way it would go. I think guys would be it would be an art to be an even more of an art than it currently is to be out there killing a penalty and trying to run run out that two minute clock. It would force players to actually play the game. It would probably lead to skill players being on the ice more because you wouldn't just let, you know, maybe you wouldn't let that fourth line guy with no hands go out there to just try block shots because you'd be like, hey, we actually have to keep moving the puck and keep playing. So I always get flack for it. Maybe a bit of a hot take, but why the sport allows icing on the penalty kill is beyond me, Mike. Hey, I like it. I'm all for doing it for progressive thinking. And hey, there's a place that you can incubate these ideas. Let the American League try it for a season. What harm would it do? Yeah. I don't see any. Tyler, I don't mind your thinking at all. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think it'd be fun to see how teams and players would counteract the rule change. I Yeah, perfect. There we go. Mike is not canceling me for my take, and that makes me very happy. Ah, yeah, let's move along. You're good. Let's move along to another edition of Icebreakers, and let's bring in Frank Saravalli. Mm-hmm. 
Always love a good edition of Icebreakers, and I love the shirt you're wearing as well today. Frank Green shirt day in honor of Logan Boulay. If you don't know about that, give it a quick Google search. Go check it out online. It's a fantastic initiative, obviously, with yesterday being the anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Uh, Frank, you were a man on the move recently. You were up in Toronto for the NHLPA agent meetings on Wednesday, and the big topic was centered around Don Fair and his future as the executive director of the union. What did you learn? Oh, I had a muted mic there. My apologies. Oh, there we uh, go. We're good to go. <laughs> the answer to your question is that the clock is ticking. That's what I learned in Toronto at the NHLPA player agent meetings, that uh, there is lots of consternation, lots of frustration surrounding uh, the lack of a plan moving forward with Don Fear and the potential end of his tenure as NHLPA executive director. Go back to 2014, after being at the helm for just about three years, he had first mentioned the idea of putting a succession plan in place for the Players Association. They had gotten through a CBA at that point. Now they've gotten through another one. They've got a long time until this CBA expires. Uh, there's lots of things that could happen between now and then, but Don Fear was essentially brought in to be a wartime general, a wartime consigliere for the players, someone that could help them through labor disputes. That's not top of mind at the moment. And now that Don Fear turns 74 in July, there's agents, there's players, and now uh, perhaps most importantly, NHLPA internal staff that are curious what is the plan now moving forward? And that was supposed to be one of the big questions asked at the player agent meetings on Wednesday. Well, there's been a lot of talk about it with the succession plan. You have to have that in place, especially when you get somebody who's in their mid seventies, like you can't do this forever. And uh, for, as an old former player, I always wonder, is this just a power thing? Like is somebody going to walk away? Why is this happening? So I, what I can't ever understand though, is that why, is it on Donald Fear to come up with a succession plan? Why isn't it on the executive board? Why aren't they giving him his own succession plan that he needs to follow? Well, I think you've hit it right on the head, Mike, and that's probably the most appropriate question to ask. You know, I was there yesterday and I asked Don Fear, what is the, are you working on a succession plan? And his answer was, if I was, I wouldn't tell you. And his response was that he would basically, he was intimating that he would tell the executive board first. But if you take a look at the NHLPA constitution, and I wanted to highlight this one section in particular from the document that I obtained, it's the last sentence. The executive director shall be responsible to the executive board and may serve for so long as he or she enjoys the trust and confidence of the executive board. So the key to point out here, Mike, is the system. Don Fear doesn't have a contract. He serves at the will of the executive board. So what that would take in this case is the players now in the middle of their season, worrying about their next game, playoffs, their next contract, all these other things that they have on their plate to band together in a meeting and have 18 yes votes to essentially begin the process in which after he's notified that his services will no longer be needed, there's still three months on the end of that in which he is to be paid and to be uh, part of the association still. So that sort of triggers that moment uh, in his agreement with the NHLPA. And, and I think everyone's wondering, when's that going to happen? And does it need to get to that point? You know, 
that's really the big thing here, Mike, and you'd know this being a former player, is the history of the NHLPA and the association. And that's why there's so much concern at the moment and moving forward is look at almost every executive director that's come before Don Fear. It's ended bloody. It's ended poorly. They've been fired. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that they have in common. And I think, you know, the concern here is from everyone watching from afar, does it need to be that way? And does the association need to be plunged into chaos? It's clear that patience with Don Fear is, is running thin from multiple constituencies and that it's time to begin putting this plan in place. But to this point, really because of the support that he has, I think in the constitution, he's emboldened to stay on essentially until someone begins to try and remove him. And to this point, that hasn't happened yet, and I'll have a lot more to come on dailyfaceoff.com later today. Yeah, you'll have a story coming up on it over on our website. So if you had to guess, like, is this something that we'll probably hear a lot more about in the summer, or is there a chance that even though the playoffs are going on, something happens quicker than that? It's probably a summertime thing, given you know what I mentioned about the Constitution. I think everyone would like to see a proper executive search committee formed um, by an executive search firm that goes out to try and find the next executive director of the association that, you know, no one is sort of put in a position where they can seize power here, conduct a proper search, be on the up and up, be transparent. We're still waiting for the results of the investigation ordered by the executive board from back in November after the Kyle Beach uh, investigation and, and the heavy allegations that he levied against Don Fear and the NHLPA. Uh, Don Fear said on Wednesday, expect those at any time now, whether they decide to make them public or not, also remains to be seen. There's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot going on, guys, at the NHL Players Association. So uh, looking forward to getting that story out later today. Fantastic stuff, Frank. As always, Icebreakers is delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Promo codes DFODD, DFODDUS get you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Frank, we look forward to the story going up at dailyfaceoff.com. Thanks for joining us. Speaking of stories that are up at dailyfaceoff.com, that ties in nicely to our inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO. Send them in on Twitter tomorrow. It'll be Frank Saravalli back in the big chair. So if you have a question for Frank, send it our way. Uh, Matt Larkin has a piece up on whether or not Ryan Getzlav is a first ballot hockey hall of famer. And listen, there is no denying this guy is one of the best, if not the best, Anaheim Duck ever. He's one of 46 players to score over a thousand points with one team. He played all 1150 of those career games in an Anaheim Ducks jersey. He won a ring with them when he was younger. When you look at his resume outside of Anaheim, two Olympic golds, a handful of other international medals. Mike, in your opinion, Ryan Getzloff, first ballot Hall of Famer? For all the things that you just said, he should be teetering right on the edge. And I think what it's really going to come to, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Full stop. Yeah. What it's going to come down to is who he's going to be up against in his inaugural potential is it inauguration? Gosh, I'm, I'm using like American political terms here uh, <laughs> in his the year that he could potentially go into the hall. Who's he up against? OK, so, mm -hmm. I mean, Alex Mogilny, like, really, this guy's not in the Hall of Fame. And of course, I could take that further and complain from the goalie perspective why Mike Vernon, Curtis Joseph, Tom Barrasso aren't in the hall. But that's not on the on the front burner right now. I think that's all it comes down to if it's a really strong class that is up against Getzloff, it might be tough. But I think he's. 
Tyler, he's got to go in the Hall of Fame. You, when you captain a team for that long, when you've got the hardware, the cups, the Olympic rings, like the, the points, all stars, you name it, he's a Hall of Famer, man. Don't you think? He's absolutely a Hall of Famer, and I agree with you. He's teetering right on the brink of being one of those first ballot guys. Um, does he have the like? He's got the. He's a winner, right? Mention the ring. Mm-hmm. Mention the Olympic medals as well, and that counts. It's not the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. You have to consider his international resume. But when you look at, was he ever? one of the best in the league at what he did. Was he ever considered that elite, elite player in the league for a significant stretch of time? And it's it's close, which is why I don't want to say yes, slam dunk first ballot guy, but also don't want to totally shut the door. I agree with you. It probably does, in a sense, come down to who's around him in that class, which this could have been one of my cancelable takes. I think the NHL shouldn't have just four in a class, and I think there should only ever be first ballot Hall of Famers. I think Four years after your career's end, you get voted on once, and that is it. I've never understood why, like, you know, 12 years after a guy's career, he's not a Hall of Famer, and then 16 years after his career, magically, it'll be like, oh, well, now he actually is a Hall of Famer, however those timelines line up. I've never understood, like, what he did didn't change. In my opinion, we should be able to grade Getzlav evenly as a hockey community, and the voters should be able to make a judgment on it three or four years after his career, and nothing changes after that. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? I get you. I would give them more than one year, though. And again, I think it's just based on you can't have 12 people go in in one season and you can't have one like it does need to remain consistent. So could maybe we put a sunset date on it? You get three, four cracks at getting into the hall and that's it. I think that would make a little more sense because we tend to have some revisionist history at times and start thinking, well, what about what about and the what about isms come out? And next thing you know, we got players in the Hall of Fame that are, yeah, I don't know. And we're still leaving out Mike Vernon and Curtis Joseph and Tom Barassa. <laughs> Getting Mike nice and fired up. Uh, let's move on to our daily bet segment, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. What a sports weekend it is. You got Masters. You got MLB opening day coming up tonight and a bunch of baseball this weekend and the NHL playoff race. That means if you're in Ontario, why not go give PointsBet a download? It's on your app store. Make an account. They got some welcome bonuses as well. Of course, south of the border, they are with you as well. Uh, Let's jump into my plays tonight. I had a good night last night. We went 3-4. We ended up uh, almost three full units yesterday, too, thanks to a Brandon Sod assist late in the game. Tonight, I am targeting two totals plays. First, over 6.5 between Philadelphia and Columbus. These two teams met earlier in the week. They combined for a total of six goals. Columbus has been an okay over team as of late, but tonight the Flyers are going with Martin Jones between the pipes, not Carter Hart. I think that should lead to a little bit more offense coming from Columbus here. Philly just played the Blue Jackets the other day. I like their chances of scoring a little bit more than they did earlier in the week. Six and a half with the total paying even money. I like that bet. And I'm also taking the over in Montreal and New Jersey tonight. I don't love the payout all the way down at minus 130, but for both of these teams, The overs hit in three of their last four. So goals have been coming pretty easily, both offensively and defensively for both these teams. And for a team like the Devils, the overs hit in seven of their last 10 as well. So I like the chances of it hitting again tonight as they go head to head out in Jersey. And for my player prop tonight, I'm going to the Nashville-Ottawa matchup. And I'm going with a Matt Duchesne assist. Plus 130, the way that top line's been rolling, honestly, I don't think any of Forsberg, Duchesne, or Johansson are are bad bets to pick up assists tonight, but I'm specifically taking Duchesne because he's hit this number in three of his last five. He's enjoying a fantastic bounce back season. And I think Duchesne can pick up an apple tonight as the Preds take on the Senators along with those two totals plays. And you know what? Let me just throw this out there. Corey Connors to come top five at the Masters, the Canadian boy. 
I think he does it. I got a little bit of money riding on that. I'm also Justin Thomas as my big master's pick as well. Uh, Mike, with that, I cede the floor to you for garbage time. Well, thank you. And I just want to know who your pick is to win the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, IndyCar out there on the West Coast. You got any inside track on that? I have no inside track. The answer is no. We'll just take it and go right to garbage time. How about that? (laughs) Mario Andretti's been retired for a while. It's not going to be him. Okay. So listen, 33% of players in the NHL come from NCAA Division I hockey now. And that number has risen dramatically in the past 20 years. And of course, myself being a former skating saint of St. Lawrence University, I implore you this weekend to watch some frozen. Oh, no. It came off. Oh, no. To watch some Frozen Four hockey, okay? It's phenomenal stuff, and you're going to see some players who are going to make a difference in the NHL. You've got Michigan versus Denver, Minnesota versus Minnesota State. That in-state rivalry is going to be big. But I got two players that I want you to keep an eye on. At Michigan, you've got Owen Power, the first overall draft pick uh, that went to the Buffalo Sabres, a 2020 to Olympian for Team Canada. You're going to see him in the NHL very soon. And of course, as you could guess, I have a goalie for you to keep your eye on in the tournament. His name's Dryden McKay. That's right. His name's Dryden. Okay, first off, that's a sick goalie name, name. Dryden. Fellow alumni of the Springfield Junior Blues of the North American Hockey League. Root him on. This guy has gone 112-19-4 in his college career. For Minnesota State, 34 shutouts. So keep an eye on those two players. Enjoy it. You will see some of these top players from the Frozen Four in the NHL as soon as next season. And I can't wait to watch and discuss it on Monday or Tuesday. It's going to be fantastic stuff. I love that you gave us a couple of players to watch. Our boy, Chris Peters, he's going to be covering it like a blanket over at dailyfaceoff.com. So make sure you give him a follow on Twitter and you don't miss any of his stories. And yes, Mike, we will be breaking it all down next week, but we still got one more show to crush out this week. That'll come tomorrow when Frank Saravalli is back in the big chair. Until then, enjoy your day, hockey fans. Keep it locked on Daily Faceoff in the meantime. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.